This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 26th of February 2019, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anyone working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Dave, and here is my fully track chair-enabled co-host, Jon. Well, I am sitting down, if that's what you mean. Uh, and does your chair have tracks? Uh, it's got wheels, but then no. That's tracks. that's old hat, I'm afraid. You need okay. all-terrain tracks on your chairs now. Oh, sorry about that, but hello, Dave. Hello, hello. And of course, what we're talking about is the fact that uh, we've managed to secure two of the uh, very, very busy uh, track chairs for the upcoming DataWorks Summit. Uh, the raffle that we've been running, if you've been following along with that, has ended, and the result will be uh, on, via Twitter direct message or email. Um, we will announce the winner soon, I would guess. Um, well, um, if you're hearing this, probably the mail has gone out. Yeah. Uh, due to GDPR stuff, we can't make it public who it is, but uh, if you haven't checked your Twitter messaging or emails, depending on how you enter the raffle, do it now and see if you've got something from us. Indeed. So, DataWorks Summit, March 18th to 21st in Barcelona. Maybe you get a free ticket, maybe you don't. But uh, either way, Regardless, we look forward to there. seeing you there. So, we indeed have uh, both Niels and Alusha. Uh, Niels from Bold.com and Alusha, the co-founder of uh, Data Artisans. Uh, Niels is track lead for the sort of the core Hadoop track, so storage and compute, and Alusha is uh, track chair for the uh, IoT track. So lots of interesting insights from them about the tracks, and uh, hopefully you'll find it interesting too. Yeah, not much more to add to that, so uh, let's uh, get into the interviews. Welcome, Niels from uh, BOL.com or BOL.com, which is preferred? BOL.com. Okay, there we go. Um, and uh, you are a uh, track chair this year for the DataWorks Summit, I believe. Yes, I am. I've been chairing the big, state, uh, uh, the big storage and compute uh, track. Wonderful. So for, for those of our audience that may not have uh, come across you before, do you want to give them a, a brief introduction to you and... Uh, let them know what you're all about. Um, well, I have been uh, doing uh, research into algorithms and uh, computing for over 20 years now. Uh, mm -hmm. That started back when I was working at the National Aerospace Laboratory, where they had machines with uh, multiple CPUs. And back then, I already started to see if I can distribute the workload over the machines. Um, that has grasped my interest to such an extent uh, that when I joined Ball.com uh, now almost 11 years ago, I mm -hmm. immediately said, uh, let's get this Hadoop thing running. We can do a lot of cool things with that. Um, so in the Hadoop space, in the, uh, the open source big data space from Apache, uh, we are one of the really early adopters. And uh, we have been uh, growing this part of our IT landscape over the years uh, for a large extent. Yeah. Okay. And so you've been you've been involved in sort of big data for some time now, hence it making sense that uh, you'd be involved in uh, I think it's the it's the sort of the core um the core Hadoop track, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. Yes, it's uh, the the fundamental systems, uh, so to speak. Where other tracks go more into the uh, applications, this is more about mm-hmm. the more fundamental systems and technologies. Awesome. So, um, you know, what are the the main sort of threads? Do you think, or the main common groups that uh, have have come up in the submissions that you've seen for this year? Oh, that that has been a, a very wide spread uh, from mm-hmm. um, uh, new technologies, uh, tracks by committers uh, that want to talk about new developments, uh, but also companies uh, that have submitted talks about how they apply those processing and storage systems in uh, their field. Um, yeah. Uh, some are commercial, some are research, like CERN was uh, one of the submissions. And mm-hmm. um, so it's, 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 although it seems like a small area, the, the, the spread in the uh, submissions was quite wide. Oh, interesting. I mean, the, some, you know, we, we regularly see about once every six months people decrying that, you know, Hadoop is dead and, you know, the, all of those kind of uh, normal um, whingings in the in the tech news, um, and as we know, it's clearly not the case. It's just that you know that the term Hadoop or big data is just expanded to the wider ecosystems of tools and technologies. In many cases, that you know their fundamentals are still rooted in the in the core of Hadoop. So, do do the sort of the the fringe elements, the sort of machine learning and um, AI and IOT and do these sorts of things, um, you know, take a lot of the limelight away from the sort of core Hadoop elements? Or do you think that the, the core fundamentals are still important, interesting? Uh, I don't know that I would say sexy, but you know, <laughs> is there still lots of cool stuff happening there? Well, yes, there is lots of cool stuff happening there. Um, uh, but you do see a transition towards that um, the fundamental systems are more commodity now. So mm-hmm. where, say, um, in conferences um, eight, ten years ago, uh, you would see talks about the fundamentals and how they work. Uh, yeah. Now that has shifted towards uh, and what can you do with it. So the business applicability of the stack has become much more important than the stack itself. So, yeah. um, so to me, uh, when I started uh, at Ball.com with the Hadoop stack some 10 years ago, um, people at some point started saying, oh, Niels is really, it has to be Hadoop. Uh, no, it has always been um, an enabler to do distributed processing on our data. Uh, because yep. that is is what it's really all about creating creating business value uh, and in our case um, guiding and supporting the customer uh, while searching through the what seventeen and a half million products we currently have online <laughs> you wow. need support systems and that's the kind of tooling that's the kind of uh, functionality we built using the stack yep. and Today, we are migrating towards a different physical stack to run it on, namely the Google Cloud. Mm-hmm. But to me, um, that's just different hardware, different storage and processing infrastructure to run it on. 
running it on Hadoop is great if you run it in-house. Um, but if you run it on some cloud, um, the question is, is Hadoop the right solution? Perhaps it is, uh, but perhaps other storages or processing coordination systems like Kubernetes uh, is, is more relevant. Um, storage systems the same. HDFS is the way to store your files and your data when you're on a Hadoop cluster. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're in a cloud, maybe a storage bucket is better or um, uh, a queuing system or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. And it, it, the the interesting thing that's happened, of course, is the as the you know what we would have called the core fundamentals have evolved is you know certain elements have become um, you know less critical new elements have come in um, and the you know what we would have considered the the core platform has grown substantially over time as it as you know more technologies you know arrive into the into the ecosystem. Um, what what do you think that's meant to people that are coming into this um, sort of from a new, fresh perspective? What I see happening around me is, especially from people who come from a relational background, is confusion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Where in the uh, little data relational world, uh, people have uh, the experience that they can simply say, Data, that's, you store that in the relational system, and from there you develop the applications. In the big data space, you really have to remodel the data in such a way that it can actually be uh, processed at scale. Yeah. Um, joining two really large data sets uh, in the really big data world is, is, is usually not doable. So you have to really think about how you actually let the data move around and store it uh, so it's ready for high-speed consumption. And that sometimes means radical redesigns of old data structures in order to make it scale uh, to the point where you need it. Uh, yeah. uh, something, something that I also find, but that's more on the, on the business end, is that sometimes people are really disappointed in big data. I have talked to companies in the past where they... Um, they took their relational model uh, out of their Oracle system, uh, rented mm -hmm. the cloud uh, capacity, stored their, the exact same data in the exact same model in the cloud, and then ran something like Hive on top of that, and were complaining that the performance was not better. That's, that, that is logical, um, because yeah. the problem, the bottleneck, is in the model. Um, something I uh, ran into in, in Bold.com uh, about two years ago was that people in the web analytics department, in, in the dashboarding there, they had the question about how many different visitors were there on the site in a certain period. Mm -hmm. Now, calculating that is a count-distinct operation. The nasty part about that algorithm is that it is... Um, something that can only be run single-threaded. The algorithm yeah. def defines that. So they said, we need that, but the existing tooling at the time could not do an estimating algorithm like Hyperloglog Plus, which mm -hmm. um, gives you a, an estimate of the count-distinct question uh, without 
the problem of being single-threaded. You can run that distributed. And that disappointment from, yes, but we've always had that number in the accurate form. Why can't we do it accurately now? That is something we see as, a, as, a, as an effect at the business end um, where people uh, need to change, um, uh, change along with, with the scale and the, the effects of being able to store and process that scale um, uh, in, in the correct way. Yeah. Which is, I mean, if you look at any flow of technology, th there's almost never any technology where a straight lift and shift migration will provide you all of the benefits of the new technology. So on the one hand, it, it's kind of, it's not surprising or it shouldn't be surprising to anybody. Yet on the other, exactly as you say, this, this happens uh, surprisingly often that people just think they can lift and shift their existing models, their existing data sets into, a, into the new big data world and just have everything much better. But yeah, clearly yeah. this is not the way, not the way forward. Yes, and so, sometimes, um, uh, like a colleague of mine told me this morning, that he that that sometimes new technology that is advertised as suitable for big data is also sometimes disappointing. Um, he had a really really large data set, and at Bold.com we're talking about really large. Um, one data set we have does over seven hundred million records per day. Uh, about one and a half terabytes per day. And he was doing a couple of months worth of that data. When he does the analysis he wants to do with the quite old Apache Pig, it works just fine. When he tries to do with, with Spark, he runs into all kinds of memory problems. And mm -hmm. so he was complaining to me about how can that be? Spark sh Shouldn't Spark be able to handle that? And I was uh, as surprised as he is. Yeah, in, in many cases, often how you how you approach the problem. So, yeah, it, it it's not always obvious that uh, just newer tech is better. Sometimes you need to change the approach that you're using the tech as well. Well, yes, I think the the one of the things that would be useful to understand. You've been sort of involved in the committee for a while. Is how and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but how have you seen the the topics and submissions change in that uh, in the in the fundamentals track? What what's been the the shift over those those, those last three years? Um, in the last three years, uh, I have been in the same track, so, so the big storage mm -hmm. and compute. And uh, to me. Uh, the essence of the talk has talks has remained similar over those last three years. Mm -hmm. um, what I have seen is that looking at the conference as a whole, there, there is more focus. Uh, there's a more shift towards um, uh, things like machine learning and real-time processing. So tools yeah. like um, uh, Apache Flink and Apache Beam are really uh, growing in terms of uses and, and talks, uh, but not within this track. That's looking at the conference as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that the, again, I think you touched on it a little bit earlier, would you say that the business track has also become a lot more critical to these, uh, these, these summits? I think it's really important that 
um, the non-technical people within companies um, are taught enough of the technology to understand what the possibilities and the limitations are. And also to understand that uh, the transition from the existing systems into the large-scale processing really requires a redesign. And like you said, the lift and shift doesn't, doesn't work that simple. So, it's, um, so in that sense, I think it's really good uh, that a conference like the DataWorks Summit uh, tries to combine these two uh, by showing the non-technical people um, uh, what, what the possibilities are and what the limitations are. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything specific about this year's uh, Barcelona DataWorks Summit that you're looking forward to? Um, yes, there are a few talks about uh, companies that really go to the edge of what can be done. Uh, there was one talk about uh, from, I think it's Alibaba, that are really, really into the large-scale real-time streaming processing. Um, they A few years ago, they forked the Apache Flink project, and they internally called it Blink. And mm-hmm. I recently read that they are working on... Uh, giving all of those improvements that I have created for that system to work at their scale, they are giving that back to the Flink community. So I think that is really, really great. And I'm really looking forward to uh, talks about that. Fantastic. Um, so anything else that you'd like to add, maybe about you know, what, what what specifically more you do at, uh, at bol.com with, uh, with all this cool technology? Yes, um, we do actually quite a lot with all this. Um, And it goes from personalization, uh, recommender system. Um, Mm -hmm. We have uh, a new system that was created a few years ago uh, that measures uh, in real time what happens on the website and is now able to process that in real time. Uh, We built that on top of uh, tools like uh, Apache Avro, from which I'm for which I'm uh, one of the PMC, um, mm-hmm. in combination with uh, Kafka and uh, Flink. And those are then uh, used to per- also real-time personalize the website. And looking at um, this in production is like really great because like five years ago, this wouldn't have been possible. Technology wouldn't have been there yet. Um we are not only using this technology in uh, the, the website uh, end of things, but nowadays also more and more into uh, the more business critical parts. Uh, for example, the orders that have been placed, all the payments that are related to that, are shipped into our uh, general ledger system uh, via mm-hmm. Apache Flink, because there we can do um, exactly once processing in stream, uh, in a distributed way. And uh, since we are doing so much nowadays, uh, doing this in a distributed way or is already important. Fantastic. So as you can hear, that um, um, we're using it all over the place. Yes. Awesome. Well, that's great to, great to hear. Um, so as we, uh, as we wrap this up, we've got uh, another uh, interview with a track chair as well so this is a, a, a compendium episode of uh, of track chair goodness for data work summit one of the things we always ask our uh, our guests is 
just a, a little thought exercise. Um, how would you define Hadoop to someone uh, that's never heard of it before, just in one or two sentences? Um, Hadoop itself is essentially a toolkit uh, to make it possible to let uh, a group of computers work together to solve a single problem. Awesome. Think, Love it. I think that would be the uh, the simplest way to explain it. That's fantastic. So thanks very much, Niels. Really appreciate talking to you. Um, hopefully may even get a chance to, to see you at DataWork Summit. But uh, if we don't, have a great time. And uh, thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. And see you in Barcelona. Will do. So we're joined today by uh, Alosha Kretek. I hope I got that right. Um, Co-founder and uh, software engineer at Data Artisans. Uh, welcome. Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. No problem at all. So there's uh, obviously there's a, a few things that uh, you're famous for, but uh, do you want to give the audience a, a quick introduction to, to you and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis? When you say famous, you mean me or the company that I work for? Well, <laughs> or Flink. a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's intertwined. Yeah, so mm. first, personally for me, I, I met the guys, the other co-founders of Data Artisans uh, at university. So we were in this research mm-hmm. group and working on this open source project called Stratosphere. And Stratosphere is the thing that then became Apache Flink. So that was uh, mm-hmm. in 2012. And then in 2014, we, uh, we decided that we wanted to start a company around this and got the funding, got more popular. And that's roughly where we are now. And over this time, I have worked on quite a few different things in Flink. So uh, by now I'm a bit of a veteran, if you want. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, so you're um, not just a fan of Data Artisans, but a, a committer and a PMC member for, for Apache Flink. Is that right? Yes, Flink and also for Apache Beam. Ah, fantastic. We've uh, we've actually talked about Apache Beam on uh, on the podcast previously, so we may well uh, uh, talk we may with? may well pick your brains later. Yeah, could could do. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was uh, news articles that uh, that came up that uh, it's been uh, it's been one of those projects that I think is kind of interest. It's an interesting space. So uh, yes, I, th- I think it looks like we've got a, a few potential few more interviews with you later. <laughs> it's very interesting, definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the reasons that we've got you uh, on the podcast to talk to us today, though, is actually uh, not so much about Apache Flink, although you could say it's uh, strongly related to the reason, but uh, you're actually one of the uh, track chairs for the DataWorks Summit for the uh, IoT track. Is that right? That is correct, yes. So what's what's that all about? What does, what does that process involve? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not... Track chair might sound a bit glamorous, but it's not, it's not that glamorous. But basically what we do is try to come up with the talks that you see in a given track. So we, uh, we will get a list of submissions and we have to look at them. So me, the track chair and the other, the track committee, 
and then we are given a number of slots to fill. So say um, the, the overall committee wants to have five slots in the IoT and streaming track. So we have to come up with five ranked uh, submissions and then a couple of backup submissions in case uh, some submissions drop out or something like this. So the 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 whole process of of selecting, you know, perhaps you could give us a uh, an insight. What are the sorts of things that you're looking for from submissions? What are some of the things that uh, you know perk your interest and uh, make for a good uh, a good talk submission? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, first, let me get quickly back to how it works technically. So what we yeah, do please. is. We have, we have this interface where we can look at all the submissions, read the, the summary, and then each member of the committee, they have to give ratings. So we rate uh, along different axes, so quality of the speaker or interest, level of interest of the audience or potential level of interest, those kind of things. And then those are converted into a score. So from this, we already get a ranked list of submissions. But then what we as the, the track committee have to do is to manually look at those and figure out the ranking that is interesting to the audience or potentially interesting. And here it's really it's up to the committee or, uh, as to what they find interesting or how they want to structure this. And um, what, how we looked at this is that we wanted to have a mix of interesting technologies in there as well as a mix of... Um, more use-based driven talks and more uh, deep dives into technologies and that kind of thing. So basically mix along two different axes if you want. And uh, do you find that, because obviously there's there's usually some elements uh, are are more technical, some, some of the submissions must be more uh, business focused and then you've got you know, you inevitably have some that are submitted from companies that almost certainly really read a little bit like uh, sales pitches sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're using the, the scoring system to, to balance all that out so you get a nice kind of mix of different topics? Yeah, we, we use the scoring system as a baseline to see which are the, the interesting talks or which are those that score high. And then we use uh, manual smarts to, to say, ah, this might look like, like a vendor pitch. Or this one yeah. is more of an industry thing, and this one is more of a technology or use case thing. So it's it's a mix of this. So in the end, it has to be handpicked. It's kickstarted yeah. by this this rating that we do, so that we uh, have a baseline that we can work with. Got it. Got it. Uh, so is this your first time as as a track track lead track chair? Um, I think I was on the committee twice already and i think once before i was a track chair as well but it's the line is Ah. quite blurry so to me the only thing that i do as a track chair (laughs) is that i have to basically figure out when we meet and send the final email to the committee with our uh, selection so that's basically i'm I'm a Ah, glorified planner and the mediator if you will (laughs) Other track yeah, chairs might, yeah. might do it differently, but I, it's it's very democratic. Yeah, and is has that always has IoT always been your focus? Oh yes, yeah. I've 
I've only ever been on the IoT and streaming track. Okay, so given that you've been on the uh, the sort of the, the chairing side of things, or at least the committee side of things, quite a number of times now, how have you seen the the topics evolve over? Um, over time, how have you seen the uh, the evolution of the sort of different level of maturity? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yes. So when I did it the first time, as an example, there were more Apache Storm related talks, but now I don't mm-hmm. recall if there was any Storm related submissions. There might have been some yep. that I'm forgetting, but it's it's becoming uh, less relevant. And one thing that is becoming more relevant is uh, NiFi and MiNiFi. Mm-hmm. And, and Provega is another thing that is becoming more interesting. So you see the, the submissions are a good indicator for where the industry is moving and what things are becoming interesting, what things are going out of fashion. And so that's on the, on the technology side. Have you seen like the maturity of the, the use cases and that sort of thing um, increasing as well uh, definitely i would say so a uh, couple of years ago you would have more talks about introducing technologies or stuff mm-hmm. like how we introduced streaming in our company and how that improved things for example and nowadays you have talks for example we we already moved to our second uh, streaming framework and have been using it for a couple of years and these are the experience that we have with that so it's more, definitely more mature nowadays, I would say. Yeah. And I mean, so obviously streaming is, uh, streaming and IoT are very closely linked. Um, but I would guess you've also seen the evolution of IoT becoming more and more important over the, over the couple of years. I mean, people were sort of streaming with, People have been streaming with non-IoT related data sources for for a long time, but IoT is sort of really ramping up in its in its level of focus. Is that is that a fair comment? That that is correct. Yes, and yeah, I, the way I see it is, streaming is more the, the how you do it or the technological side, and IoT is more a use case that is well served by streaming. But of course, you can process IoT data using other means. But it's just it's as you said they go very well together and and yes IoT is becoming more more and more prevalent in the submissions. Mm. I was I was going to say what what do you think is the uh, what do you think are some of the the shifts that you're seeing at the moment with with the submissions from from the perspective of not just the the technologies but and the sort of going from introduction to you know now now we've been running this for some time but are you seeing sort of a a wider range of of sort of organizations submitting rather than just a few kind of stalwarts or um what do what's the picture there i think that's that is also correct yes um a while ago you would maybe have the more startup-y companies that that are interested Mm -hmm. in new technologies nowadays you also see more established uh, businesses like banks or insurance companies those kind of things that that are a bit slower usually to adapt new technologies you see quite a lot of them also in the submissions now yeah and uh, many of them uh, are sort of are also using the whole process as a uh, 
um, without a doubt, a bit of a, a recruiting uh, uh, tool as well. You know, almost every single uh, slide from those kind of organisations always ends with a, well, sometimes starts and ends with a, we're hiring, come and talk to us, look, we're doing cool stuff too. Yeah, I think so. We're doing that as well. So <laughs> we're also guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's not unusual, that's for sure. Okay, so I mean the so you've talked to us a little bit about the the process um, that the the talks go through for their selection. Um, do you have sort of any any talks or any sort of things that you're particularly looking forward to this year? Mm, I haven't looked at the other tracks so far. So from from the IoT side, I'm looking forward to there's a. There's a Flink talk that we accepted, not because I'm I'm from Data Artisans, but because it was a generally it was it's a very good speaker that is known for being a good speaker, and he's talking about mm -hmm. uh, this gaming company and how they are using stream processing to analyze data. So it's it's interesting because it's it's a very it's a tangible thing. These these use cases are usually very. Uh, it's good for the audience to understand them, so they can they can see themselves in that or they can understand what is what's going on it's not abstract like some more technological talks or some technical talks would be so that's what i'm yeah. looking forward to so if you were very good very good so if you were to give um sort of a, a maybe two or three tips to to people that are looking to submit um, sessions for future uh, future summits and talks. What would be the the top top two or three things that you'd recommend people think about when they're putting their submission together? Mm -hmm. I think um, you should present something that is that that is a problem that you have. So you shouldn't just come up with some artificial. So we see some talks that come up with an artificial problem and then come up with an artificial solution for that problem and how mm -hmm. they use the system to solve it. But they can, mm -hmm. they, I don't see much of a point in them, but there's, some, or the good submissions are those that where they, they are in a company or they have a problem that is, that is a real problem for them. And then they try to come up with a solution. And in those, usually the motivation is, uh, better and they actually have to run that thing in production and keep it running in day to day and then usually they have better experience and and more things to talk about from that than if you talk about an artificial use case yeah i must admit i always i must admit i always like the ones that uh, talk about their um, some of their challenges during the pro the process that they you know some of the some of the things that didn't go so well some of the failures because I think that that can many times be just as important as the successes exactly yeah because that's the, you yourself can learn from those failures and the other people the audience can learn from those failures as well and you only have that yeah. if you actually yeah, run very it much so. yourself in production not if you talk about some artificial thing that you made up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, how have you noticed the uh, the DataWorks Summit um, itself evolve over the years? How have you seen that change? Uh, there was the name change. I mean, the first DataWorks Summit that I went to was Hadoop <laughs> Summit. Yeah, yeah. And now it's, I still it's call DataWorks it Hadoop Summit. Summit. <laughs> <laughs> the focus is shifting a bit from 
I mean, just Hadoop to a broader, a more broader audience or more broader topics, if you will. Yeah. And do you think that's reflected in the, the nature of both the attendees and the talks? I would say so, yes. Yeah, there's, for starters, there's, in my track at least, there was no Hadoop talk, I think. I mean, HFS is in a lot of things, but there was no specific talk about that something related to Hadoop. I guess in the other tracks there might be more Hadoop stuff, of course. Yeah, yeah, some of the, the core platform tracks and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the one of the interesting things that we have seen evolve is um, almost every uh, every summit is larger than the last, and the way that, uh, at least from my perspective, the audience has significantly broadened um, over time. There's a lot more focus on the um, business tracks as well, I think. Um, how do you see sort of the IoT and, and streaming um, sort of being accepted by more of the... Do you think there is a lot more um, commercial and business focus on that? I think there definitely is because people are realizing now that with with IoT, with stream processing, with real-time processing they can have business insights in in real time i mean before you had those those systems you had to wait quite a while before you could react to a changing environment and now you can do it almost instantly and that's uh, quite important for business where can now for example uh, target ads or send messages out to customers immediately once you realize that something is happening. That's, it's yeah. always driven by business yeah. in the end, I think. Yeah, absolutely should be. Absolutely should be. So one one of the sort of the final things that um, you know, I'd really like to talk about is um, I think we, we'd love to get you back on to, to talk about uh, Apache Flink and maybe we'll get you on again to talk about Apache Beam as well. But um, maybe just for uh, as, as a little uh, outro, could you give the, give the audience just a quick intro to Apache Flink and what it is and how it fits into the ecosystem and maybe a little bit about what's unique about it? Mm -hmm. Yes, so... Flink, what we call it, it's, it's an open source distributed stream processing system. It's mm -hmm. um, so typically what you have when you want to process streaming data or also batch data is you have some system where you store your data. That would, uh, for example, mm -hmm. be HFS, where you store your, your data address and then you use MapReduce to compute on it or Spark, for example. And in the streaming space, mm -hmm. you store your streaming data in some in a message log, for example, Pravega or Kafka, Pulsar, and then you would use a stream processing system for processing that data. So um, in the end, it's somewhat similar to Spark, for, but for different use cases. And Flink and Spark originated roughly at the same time. Okay, cool. Well, that's a little taster for our audience. Um, if you want to know more, then uh, 
you'll have to hit us up on uh, on the feedback form or via social media and uh, we'll see if we can get some some more time with uh, with Alosha to fill us in in more depth on Apache Flink. Um, one of the the last things that we always try and do with our guests is uh, in sort of one sentence or thereabouts how would you define Apache Hadoop to someone that's never heard of it before? Oh, that's a tough one. It's a system for processing massive amounts of data on a distributed set of compute nodes that produces correct results in the presence of failures. That's great. So thanks very much for your time, Alusha. Um, it's been great talking to you. Um, hopefully, so I'm, I'm hoping that you'll, you'll actually be at DataWorks Summit. I will have to see because there's, it's always tough because there's also Flink Forward uh, in San Francisco, which is also uh, uh, in April. Or it's April 1st, so it's, it's, uh, yeah. the scheduling is a bit difficult. But I will try to be there, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I look forward to, hope, if not seeing you, I look forward to enjoying uh, some of the sessions in your track. And for those that are following along at home, um, the upcoming uh, DataWorks summits are uh, Melbourne, Australia, which is February the 6th, and uh, Barcelona in Spain, March 18th to 21st. And then, of course, the big one, Washington, D.C., May 20th to 23rd. So uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for, thanks for talking to us about the, uh, the glories of being a track chair. And... Uh, as I say, look forward to enjoying some of the uh, some of the tracks you've selected. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So there we go. That's uh, all you need to know about track chairing. Apparently, um, thanks to Niels. I, I don't know if track chairing is a thing. It's probably an abomination of the human of uh, the English language. But there we go. Thanks to Niels and Alosha for uh, giving us their time and telling us about their uh, their experiences and maybe even giving some hints and tips to people there. Uh, for future submissions. And letting us join in the glory that is being attracted here. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Anything else, Anything else from you? Nope, I'm fine. All Thanks right. to Niels and Adyosha. And that is all the time we have for today. We hope you enjoyed this serving of Bite Size Big Data. We will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback forum. You can follow us on Twitter, well, mostly me, because Dave is still socially inept at that point. But we have a, a Twitter tag called at Hadoopcast. And you can also contact us by email at podcast.org, which Dave does read from time to time. Send us any thoughts, comments, criticisms, and other feedback. Until next time, my name is John. And my name is Socially Inept Dave. <laughs> Social Media Inept Dave. <laughs> we look forward to talking to you again next week. Goodbye. See you then. Mm-hmm.